Welcome to the California Curio Collecting Patriots podcast. My name is Sean. With me today is my co-host. My name is Jake. So Jake, you're the one who introduced me to shooting. And it you know, has now led to this several years later. But how do you decide who to bring up to shooting, who to offer, hey, let's go out shooting? It's something that people could wonder, especially in today's climate here in California, where, you know, now you just piss someone off. As long as you've known them six months, they can say, oh, hey, you know, so-and-so is going to go do a mass shooting and tell that to the cops. And just to be vindictive if you tell the wrong person. So I figured maybe we should, you know, talk about some experiences we had where we introduced people to shooting and give some tips to the audience listening. How to go about introducing people to shooting, because let's be honest, it's something that everyone should experience. Well, I I agree with you. Everyone should experience it. But unfortunately, in today's society, it's quite a taboo topic. So how to tell who you can take? Well, I'm going to let you know. You can take absolutely anyone. To go out and use firearms in a safe manner, in a supervised manner, in a responsible manner, is a very fun activity to do. And I recommend everyone get an opportunity to. You see, many years ago, like you said, Sean, I got you into firearms. I knew you would be someone who would be interested in firearms because you're much like myself. And I I remember, I I do remember taking you out there and uh, having you shoot that 22 that I had and that 357 uh, revolver. And we had a blast out there. Just took that thing out, took him out to the desert, set up some targets and blasted away. And once we were done with the day, we uh, probably, I think we ran out of ammunition, actually. I think we did. Uh, Picked up our targets, packed up and left, left, left for the day. Now, for all those who are wondering, uh, back in the day, There used to be areas called BML land here in California. A lot of them still exist, uh, but many of them have been taken away because of irresponsible gun owners. And I I think it's very important that we stress the responsibility of owning and operating a firearm, especially if you plan on showing it off to other people. Now, In California, for you to purchase a firearm, you have to do a safety course, which is a X amount of question test. I don't even remember how many it is. I stopped doing it years ago. But X amount of, you know, questions on a test, they're multiple choice, and they're common sense. Do you point a gun at someone's face? Not unless you plan on killing them. (laughs) You know? (laughs) It, It might seem kind of redundant for us to mention this to a lot of you folks. Uh, but we, we like to think that there might be someone out there who doesn't know 
what it is to own a firearm. They've never owned a firearm. Maybe they're curious about it. And I, I would like to take this episode to be able to teach some of the basics of gun safety. Um, how to properly handle them. And now I'm not going to sit here and teach you over a podcast how to hold a handgun or a rifle. I'm not doing any of that. But knowing where it's safe to shoot, knowing how to shoot safely, knowing what you can and cannot shoot, and just not being a general piece of trash human being. You know, we, we have this area where we like to go out shooting and, uh, it's, it's a great area to do it. You're shooting right up against some canyons. So there's no chance that that bullet's going to travel farther than a nice, huge dirt Canyon. You're not shooting down the length. You're shooting into the side of it. You know, you got it probably, I don't know, 50 to a hundred yards away. There's no roads anywhere nearby that you could possibly be shooting over. You know, there's. But there's room for error. You know, we do get out there and we see these people who are shooting so close to the road that if they miss their target, they're probably shooting someone's car going down the road. I've seen other people shooting across roads. And then there's always the complete and utter moron that fires his gun directly into the air. Despite what our current president says, you never fire a gun directly into the air. Firearm safety is a big thing. We can't stress that enough. Being a responsible gun owner, we cannot stress that enough. Knowing where to shoot, how to shoot, so you can teach new people how to do the same. It seems like somewhere along the lines, these people show each other their firearms and show them their guns and they teach them how to shoot them, but they don't teach them safety. They don't teach them about looking beyond your target. One of the best things that I can quote was a friend of mine who said, Hey, I got my wife trained. If someone comes to that door, she's going to grab that gun of ours. She's going to point it down at their feet and she's going to keep pulling the trigger as she gradually comes up. And I said, that is the stupidest method I've ever heard of in my life. Uh, I actually remember that. It's not anymore, but that was considered a viable method sort of for like a five-year period the idea was as you would draw your handgun you know when you raise it up to fire you're gonna you know you're gonna flag their entire body so you may as well start squeezing the trigger as soon as you're at their feet that was the idea behind it um as far as I know, they do not teach that anymore. And for good reason. Because it's the stupidest idea I've ever heard of in my life. If you need more than one round to dispatch someone who's broken into your home like that, I mean, whether they're armed or not, he was training his wife to be able just to shoot straight out a door into a public street. I said, are you dumb? I said, I understand it's life or death, but I don't think anyone's going to come to that door with a gun trying to kill your wife and kids when you're dirt poor and you live in an apartment and you have nothing to your name. Those people are trying to break in to steal stuff, not hurt you. 
the minute they see someone's home or they hear, I have a gun, go away, they're more than likely just going to go away. And if they don't, then you have the very unfortunate set of circumstances where you need to judge whether your life is in danger or not. It's common sense. You can't just shoot someone for coming onto your property. Your life is not in danger by them standing on your lawn. If they stand on their lawn and raise a firearm towards you, you better shoot fast. Yeah. And you better shoot to kill. Especially in this state. Yes. We live to tell their end of the tale. It's going to usually be a lie. They're the victim who got hit. And you're the bad man who shot them. And unfortunately, this state protects those who are criminals. Exactly. And... uh, this is going to go off on a bit of a uh, sideways tangent, I guess. But the thing is, when that if that happens, and when the police show up, all they know is someone with a gun shot someone else. And they're going to show up, and you're going to be with the one with the gun. Doesn't matter if it's your house, if it's in the street, if you have a CCW. That's what they know. So automatically in the state of California, you look like the perpetrator, regardless if it's you could be in your home, have pictures of you on the wall showing it's your home. So far as the police are going to be concerned, you're the perpetrator because you just shot someone. Did it matter if they broke in your house or not? And unfortunately, I I happened to witness a court case where someone defended themselves in their home against someone who broke in. This person broke in and threatened their life. They did not have a firearm, but they did verbally threaten their life. And this person shot them. They maimed them. They didn't shoot to kill. And what happens? That person took them to court. And you know what the court decided in this very liberal case that it occurred that the gun owner was at fault for shooting the man because he was just there to steal possessions and that the gun owner who protected their life from a verbal threat valued their possessions more than another human life. And the person who defended themselves against a verbal threat, someone who'd entered their home and verbally said they will kill them. Lost the case. Now, this happened many years ago. Times have changed. Kyle Rittenhouse has happened. And I think the time for those of us who are going to defend ourselves have quite a big hill to have to climb. Now, saying that, you know, it, it, it did kind of take us off a weird tangent. It did. Uh, but let, let's get back to topic here, okay? Yeah. Our original question, which I know we've branched off of, we're very big on safety. We want common sense people to know how to use firearms safely. You know, we, we just hear these stories and we see these these news articles about people who do not use their firearms in a correct manner. 
and they set themselves up for failure. They set others up for failure as an example. Now, we could sit here all day talking about people breaking and entering. We can talk all day about that mall shooter who got shot by a good Samaritan who happened to be armed and proved that arming America is the answer. But hey, <laughs> you know, we could sit here all day talking about that, but we're not going to. The original question that we started this episode with, how can you tell whether or not you should take your friends out to go shooting? And I, my exact words were, you should take everyone. Everyone should know what a firearm is. Everyone in the United States needs to know the difference between a handgun and a rifle. They need to understand that there are different calibers. They need to understand that there are different uses. Yes, there are many firearms that can be sporting, that could be for fun. As me and Sean do, we go out and we target shoot for fun. We set targets out as far as we can walk. And we set them to where they're almost impossible to hit. And we sit there trying to hit them because it's fun. Exactly. We set up certain targets that are fun to shoot. Like uh, one of them I have is this is this uh, mold of a rabbit uh, or gopher. Sorry, it's a gopher. And it's got regenerative rubber. That thing is so much fun to shoot because the, the bullet will pass through it and the rubber wants to take its original shape. So it closes up the hole. So we've progressively been picking up larger and larger ammo, seeing when we're going to actually leave a hole in this thing. It's hilarious. Anyway, so I recommend taking anyone out. It does not matter your political background. It doesn't matter their political background. As far as I'm concerned, guns should not be involved in politics at all. Because there's... It's like trying to put cars in politics. Is a truck going to be the same thing as a car? No. They're two completely different beasts. You can't sit there and go, oh, you have a race car. And he has a truck that he uses for farming. That's like saying, oh, you have an assault rifle. And he has a handgun for home defense. If you try to classify things like this, you're going to have problems. Why? Because what they would consider an assault rifle isn't an assault rifle. What they would consider a gun for home defense isn't a good gun for home defense. So to educate the world on how firearms work, what firearms exist, what are legal? What are illegal? You need to take them out. You need to teach these people. I recommend it. The, ah, God, I hate to bring this man up. Louder with Crowder. Did an episode where he went to some liberal hippy-dippy school and tried to get people to debate him about assault weapons, okay? 
and you know this guy goes in there with the with facts and it's it's a, it's a, it's a guy it's got you journalism it really is but it's from the opposite side he goes out there and tries to get these kids all riled up who obviously are going to feed right into it or they start arguing with their emotions instead of facts and then he looks the more intelligent of the two because they're college kids they're supposed to be smart right no they're college kids 90% of them are raised in in very liberal homes now this man did an episode where he convinced two college girls to go shooting and try try shooting firearms he took them out and of course they you know went out and shot firearms and they saw that they weren't that bad one girl even applied to get a firearm while she was there <laughs> he convinced because he took them out and showed them look this is safely operating a firearm isn't this fun and the girls went yeah actually this is kind of fun is anyone here going out convinced you know Gonna go out and kill hundreds of people? No. Because that's why they're there to shoot them in a safe environment. And they enjoyed it. And one girl said, You know what? I'd like to have a gun for my own defense. And he offered to teach her how to shoot. It's actually one of my favorite episodes. But, you know, that's here nor there. It's just proof that everyone should have the opportunity to go out and do this. Now, as Sean had mentioned in the intro, there are, are they going to go and call red flag laws on me? No. Look it. There are those people who feel that you should not have the right to own a firearm. There are those lunatics that don't believe in the Constitution and they want to have some sort of socialist utopia. I tell them to go to Venezuela and see how well that's working. Go to Cuba. How well is that working? I don't know where they get these stupid ideas for these people, but if they don't like the way America is set up, I welcome them to leave because they're incredibly closed-minded people who aren't willing to open their minds to the possibility of trying new things. I am a very open-minded individual. I'm not one of those crazy lunatics that's going to sit here and tell you, being gay is the devil. Okay? Some people are gay. Some people like shooting guns. Some people like driving fast cars. Some people like to stay in their homes and do nothing all day. Other people like to go out and hang out with friends and go to movies. Everyone's different. So to say that every Democrat or liberal is going to try to red flag you because they believe you shouldn't have guns. That's kind of an outreach. I don't know anything in this life that has such a black and white line as the way the media is portraying the United States. The media is portraying everything as left versus right versus the extremists versus a <sighs> Bambi in the forest, I guess, or the polar bears. I, I don't. I mean, it's ridiculous the things they come up with. I guess we'll go with polar bears because climate change is their biggest fear, apparently. Hmm. Anyway, yes, there are those people that will try to claim I'm going to call because you own guns. You're going to go on a mass shooting. 
well, you know what? I'm pretty sure the police department know when they hear a stupid lunatic. They're going to go, oh, there's a man. He's going to do a mass shooting. Oh, really? Where? Oh, he's right here next to me. He's got a gun. Does he? Yeah. What kind of gun is it? It's a, it's a, it's a black handgun. He's going to go do a shooting because he has one. Well, what's your proof he's going to go do a shooting? Did he say he was? No, but he owns a gun. Your basis is that he owns a firearm, so he's going to go do a shooting? Yeah. Okay, bye. Click. Right now, in the state of California, the average response time for reported shooting is 30 minutes. Do you think the police are going to waste their time by some lunatic claiming a red flag law because somebody owns a gun? They're not going to waste their time. In this state, you have to realize that times have changed. There's not a policeman around every corner to help you. They're not the Bobbies. This isn't Britain. Okay? They're not walking around twirling nightsticks, whistling sweet tunes of themselves. Okay? The police are overworked, underpaid, and underappreciated. And that's a fact. So to fear some liberal lunatic claiming a red flag law on you because you showed them you own a firearm is rather absurd. I know a lot of liberal Democrats who would never do such a thing because they're not stupid. Now, if you'd given them an inkling of, hey, check out this, check out this thing I got. If I put this thing in here, it makes it an automatic. I'm like, oh yeah? Yeah. You know, I'm not very happy with these people today. You know, these 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 sick people make me just they make me want to throw up. I, I want to do something about it. That's when you go, uh, you, you want to talk to me maybe a little bit, buddy? Let's let's calm down and you know, sit down. But what's what's making you sick about people today? I just I feel, you know. Maybe they're a reincarnation of Hitler. Maybe they want to eradicate all the Jews in the Westfield Mall downtown. These people that do these things are not mentally stable. I, I was bullied in school. I want to take my dad's guns and go shoot up the school. You know? It happens. And it's unfortunate that it happens. Had that gun owner been a responsible gun owner, it wouldn't happen. Now, that's someone who was being raised by a gun owner who was not responsible, who taught their child how to use a firearm and didn't keep the firearms locked, that didn't disable the firearms when locked. Now, I understand the importance of having one ready. For home defense. And you know what? In the state of California, you're perfectly able to carry a ready handgun at your side in your home with a full magazine on you. So if someone comes to your door and they raise a firearm at you or shoot at you, you can defend yourself. You can't leave your home with it because, you know, personally, I don't see why you would want to. That would just raise more concerns than anything and cause more problems. Now, if you're concealed carrying, that's a whole other story. But to open carry one around is 
not a very smart idea. Personally, the only people I think who should open carry are police officers to let you know that they are armed and at the ready. Because most people in America don't have the firearm training to even consider doing concealed carry, let alone carrying in public with, you know, a ready firearm. Now, to know who to teach, who to show the times to, you got to judge the character. You know, you don't want to take someone who is anti-gun. I've done that. I have taken, and I, I, I offer anyone, I offer anyone the opportunity if they go, hey, I want to know what being a gun owner is about. I want them to come ask me, can you teach me about what it's like to be a gun owner? Can you show me why people want to have guns? And I'll gladly take them aside and I'll show them everything they want to know. But I'm that kind of guy. And yes, I have had the liberal lunatic try to claim a red flag on me because I owned a firearm. But the second person I ever taught how to shoot was somebody whose father had been shot by a burglar. Their family was so against guns. When they found out I owned firearms, they wanted that person to drop contact with me. But that person had an open mind. And I said, no, I'd like to know why he's into him. I'd like to know what the appeal is. Yes, I'm personally against them, but I'd like, and that person I ended up talking to had a great conversation about it, would later take that person out and let them shoot my firearms, teach them how to safely operate them, how to shoot properly. And that person is now a two-time gun owner. Actually, three-time. That person now owns three firearms, one rifle and two pistols. And is slowly making their collection larger. From a family that was anti-gun, whose father almost died from being shot by a burglar. This person was raised anti-gun. And I was able to take them out, teach them how to safely do things. How to safely fire it. How to safely use it in public. How to defend yourself in your home with it. And that person now thinks they're great. And is trying to get the rest of their family to come out and enjoy shooting with them. You have to understand, it's going to be the approach. You have to understand the person's stance. You have to keep an open mind. You cannot come into these things going, well, guns are a God-given right in this country, so fuck you if you don't want them. This isn't an episode of South Park. We're not all stupid rednecks. We're not all going to, hey, Joe, let's go on down to the swamp and go shoot us a gator. We're not doing this. We're, we are human beings with functional brains. To sit there and say that everyone who fires a firearm is a criminal or a bad person or, you know, any sort of justification that you have no proof of is insane. That's like saying anyone who drives a Prius is a pretentious jackass who thinks they're saving the environment and they're not. 
Maybe that guy just doesn't want to pay a shit ton of money for fuel so he can do Uber. You can never judge a book by its cover. And the same thing applies to taking others out and teaching them how to use firearms. If they're willing, bring them in with open arms, teach them about the world, show them about ARs, show them about AK-47s, and then show them about every other 900 firearms that we have available to us. It, it's insane that some people just don't get it. There's, I, I understand that some people don't get how fun it can be to go out shooting with targets or doing triathlons where they do the shooting part with the skiing. And, you know, there's, there's so much to it. Some people love to go hunting. Some people love to just go out and shoot targets. Some people like going to the range and shooting targets at a range. Some people like going out to BML land and, and, you know, shooting their own targets out there, out in the open. All because it's, it can be very fun. Yeah. Not everyone's going to be a gun lover. Not everyone wants to build a race car. Not everyone wants to learn how, you know, the internet works. Not everyone wants to know how to build a computer. Not everyone wants to know, you know, why it rains. You know, it, it, everyone's a little bit different. You have to judge them by their personality and go, is this someone who is open-minded enough for me to inform them that, yes, I do, I do enjoy these things? Because in this day and age, I personally believe if you don't want to be friends with me because I own guns, then so be it. Goodbye. I wish you the best. Arrivederci and buona fortuna. I'm not going to waste my time with you because you're going to be so biased that you wouldn't want to be friends with someone simply because they own a firearm. Something that this country was founded on the second amendment. Number two, number two, that's how high it ranked. That's like saying, I believe you shouldn't be able to have the freedom of speech. Okay, bye. Go to a country where you don't have it. Go to Singapore. I challenge you to go to Singapore and talk shit about their leader. Their presidente. I guarantee you're going to be locked up for talking shit about him. Yeah. Go to Thailand. Do the same thing. You'll get locked up there too. So for those people, if you're interested in firearms, the chances are you don't talk to those people anyway. Because they're usually pretty ridiculous human beings to begin with. And they give you many other signs besides firearms. Now, to teach them the basics of gun safety, I mean, give them an unloaded firearm. Make sure it's clear. Check the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure the magazine's out of it. Make sure it's unloaded. And give it to them. And ask them what the first rule is. And they're going to go, well, I don't know. And you tell them the first rule is you always treat it like it's loaded. So you never point it at anyone. You keep it pointed downrange or down at the ground. At all times. You only put your finger over the trigger when you're ready to shoot. And you only pull the trigger when you're ready for that bullet to come out. If you're not in a shooting position, 
You have it in safe. It's very simple. These are very simple things. There's a procedure to all of it. When you're done shooting, don't turn around and point it at everyone going, hey guys, did you see what I did? You keep it pointed downrange. Turn your body, pivot your waist, tilt your head, and go, hey guys, you know, what did you think of that? Or, hey, I'm having an issue. Can someone help me? You know, it's it it's unfortunate that these things aren't really taught in a very common sense way. There are small things like that they forget to get passed on. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's like, for example, I taught my sister how to shoot. And one of the things I did before I, before I even took her to the range, I took one of my handguns, unloaded it, showed her, here's how you clear a firearm. You pull the magazine, you rack the slide, you lock the slide back, you check the barrels are around. No, okay, it's clear. And you know, I had her do all that multiple times before I ever took her out. And then finally, I said, I put a little piece of electrical tape on my wall. And I said, okay, aim at that. Did the whole thing. Gun was clear, no round. I said, okay, now aim at that and squeeze the trigger. And she did, and, you know, of course the hammer fell on, you know, an empty chamber, obviously. And she had told me that what I told her after this has stuck with her ever since. That's the difference. That little bit of pressure is the difference between someone being alive and someone being dead. So that's why you don't. You know, you have to be safe with firearms because, yeah, that little bit of pressure is the difference. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people base their weapons knowledge off of Hollywood movies. Oh, yes. And those, I, I cannot stress this enough. You can't base anything off of a movie. I don't care if it is the most accurate movie on the face of the earth. I don't care. If it's a firearm training video, unless you're there to handle that firearm, I don't trust whatever I'm seeing because that video will one day be obsolete. I've watched so many training videos from the 60s and the 70s and 80s and even the 90s. The process changes every time for safe handling of a firearm. It does. The only thing you can be sure about is that you know how to keep things as safe as possible. Now, I've been trained to use a firearm from the U.S. military. I've been taught safe handling procedures. And I can't stress how important it is that other people learn. If you're interested in buying a firearm, Take a course at the local gun store. I guarantee you there's gun stores that give local courses. They may be $100. They may be $200. Take it. The more knowledge you can get, the better. Because when I got out of the service, I wanted to get my concealed carry permit. I wanted to so bad because I didn't trust this world when I came out. 
some of the things that I'd seen and witnessed really made me question the standing of our society. And I said, I'm not going out there unless I have a way of protecting myself from someone. If I happen to be in a store that's being robbed, I can possibly stop that robbery. If someone's threatening someone else with a firearm and they can't protect themselves, I took an oath to protect those people. I would like to be able to do something about it, even at the cost of my own life. Because that's what I signed up to do. In doing so, I had to take a class. Now, I thought, oh, I already know how to use a firearm safely. I'm good, dude. I was in the military. I was taught by not only the United States Navy how to safely operate an M9. I was also taught by the United States Marines how to clear a room with a handgun. I was taught how to clear a room with a rifle. And I have some basic knowledge of CQB. But that's just because I became friends with a lot of Marines. The point is, I came out of the military and I went to take this class. And I'm really glad I did. Because that class proved I knew absolutely nothing. And I say that because the way you would operate a firearm with the military is not the way you would handle a firearm for safe indoor sweeping. If someone breaks into your house and you're being taught how to shoot, shooting your, shooting your handgun and rifle the way the military taught you is going to be completely different from the way they're going to teach you how to do it in the civilian world. Yes, the military tactics will work. But, you know, one of the things I learned, you know, you don't get the chicken wing out, you know, your elbow out when you're aiming and shooting. That's actually in very poor taste. In the military, you're tight, you're tucked in, your elbows are down and at your side, and you're going through as tight as you can because you're trying to get into tight little narrow areas. Almost like you're slithering through a place like a snake, but with the guns pointed in front of you the whole time. When I went to take these courses, I went to fire these firearms like the military had taught me. And yes, I could shoot them fairly decently the way the military taught me. But when this instructor had informed me, hey, you're not, you're not clearing fields in the Middle East. You're, you're going to be defending your home. You need to relax and let the firearm become a part of you. It's not a tool anymore. It's now a part of you. And I had to learn to loosen up and how to shoot in a completely different style. And naturally, the first thing I thought of was, okay, if I'm not doing this stance, I went to the Hollywood hero stance. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the guy looked at me like, you got to be kidding me. And I'm like, well, what do you want from me? There's only two stances I really know for this handgun. He goes, you're, you're leaning into a handgun like you're going to shoot a shotgun. Why? And I'm like, well, that's because that's the way you would lead. And he goes, you're not, you're not in a combat zone. Well, you know, he, he taught me how to fire a firearm in a safe and relaxed manner to where when I am ready to shoot this thing, I'm not tense. I'm not rattled with nerves. You know what I mean? Yeah. This gentleman taught me in a completely different way to fire a firearm. 
And it took a lot of time for me to get used to firing in a more relaxed environment. And that's why you really got to have an open mind and learn, hey, I may not know everything. There's different styles and tactics. I mean, how many different types of fighting are there? I mean, my God, different fighting styles all over the place. There's sports based on it. (laughs) You know, mixed martial arts has become a big thing. Firearms are the same thing. A lot of people want to base things off of what they see in Hollywood or what they know in a previous career or what they learned from a certain course. There's so much more to know. And this is part of, you know, teaching other people and being open-minded to learn from other people and having it coexist to where you can share something that you love and are passionate about with someone who may be curious. I mean, I, I would not just grab some snowflake off of a college campus and tell them, here, you're going to go fire this AR. You know what I mean? You, you got to kind of read the room. You know, and it was important to me to, to teach the second person that I taught the one who almost lost their father to a shooting. It was important to me to teach them that guns are not evil. People who use them for evil deeds are evil. A gun is no more deadly than a fork. And that's a fact. You could be at a restaurant and you could stab someone in the neck with a fork a lot easier than you could shooting someone. It takes the same amount of effort. So what makes a gun more deadly than a fork? Hell, a knife for that matter. You're at a good steakhouse. You could easily creep up behind someone and kill them with a steak knife just as easy as you could with a handgun. So what makes the handgun more dangerous than a steak knife? Knowing how to safely operate that firearm is what makes it less deadly. There's more intricate parts in a handgun than there are in a steak knife. So teaching the basics of gun safety is just so incredibly important. We can't stress it enough. We here at the California Curio Collecting Patriots, we're all for teaching proper, safe handling of a firearm. You know, right now, I am sitting in my home doing this podcast. I'm recording this podcast with you, Sean. You know, I have one firearm that's not locked. All my other firearms are either in a locked safe or in a locked case. Only one is currently exposed. And that is in case someone comes through my door like the Joker himself out of Batman, I will be able to access that firearm safely. Now, if I'd had someone come over to my home, you can bet that that handgun is going to be locked up as well. If there's someone in my home that I do not trust 100% with my life, 
And there's very few people on this earth I trust 100%. All my guns are locked up because I don't want someone to get a hold of one of my firearms and go use it for a crime. Every single one of my guns is locked. Uh, yeah, it, you know, it was the same with me. You know, I have a unlocked gun. A unlocked gun. Everything else is locked up. Now, let me ask you this. Someone comes over and they have a small child. What's the first thing you're doing? You lock that. You lock up your gun that you keep for home defense. You're damn right. That's what I. That's what I did when my older sister would bring my nephews. I'd go and I'd have it set in a lockbox, sitting there. The moment I hear him walk up to the door, lock it. Top of my closet. Yep. That's the. I. The first thing I do is I unload that magazine. I never keep one in the chamber. I like the sound of racking it to give them a chance. <laughs> yeah, I, I also don't keep one in the chamber, mostly because, yeah, it's a personal preference, I guess. I, I like to give them a chance of survival, you know. But, uh, you know, the first thing I do is I drop that magazine. And I'll set it in my nightstand. And I'll take the handgun and put it in my safe until they're gone. Then I come back and I open my safe and get my handgun back out. And the keys are never far from me. They're usually clipped to my waist. If they're not clipped to my waist, they're probably in my vehicle when I'm driving. <laughs> my keys are never far from me. Same. The key to my gun safe and the key to the little box I have for my... Uh... You know, home defense handgun is in my pocket. Yeah. My, mine is this Legend of Zelda-esque puzzle to try to find what ammo goes in what firearm. Once you find the firearm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like the water temple from Ocarina of Time, dude. For anyone who doesn't understand that reference, it's a very difficult level. It's very notorious for tricking people. Very. I mean... There's the, the movie Labyrinth made more sense than the way I store these guns. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a very difficult process to figure out how, uh, how I store my firearms. And especially with us, we have a lot of old guns. So, you know, no, no, for me, yeah, I do have ARs. It's obvious this is an AR mag. It goes in the AR. But, you know, for all, all my old, other old guns, it's like, okay, well, here's some wooden bolt-action gun. What goes in this? Here's another wooden bolt-action gun. What goes in this? Here's another wooden bolt-action gun. What goes in this? And they all, have, they all use different rounds. And good luck telling a Carcano from an SKS if you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. I mean, you look at an M44 Mosin and an SKS, you're kind of like, what? And you wouldn't know they shoot completely different ammo. They're about the same size rifle. They, they both are. have big pointy things that come out and poke people. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Would you limit the caliber size to which you're going to let someone shoot if you're taking them out and teaching them? So. 
I don't think I would li- really limit the caliber size. What I would do, though, is if it's a sufficiently powerful enough round that you're not 100% sure that the person you're teaching can handle it, only put one round in the gun. Don't put two. Put one. And the reason I say this um, Jake, you've heard of the uh, Smith & Wesson 500, right? Indeed I have. So there has been, at last I've heard, one confirmed human death to that gun. And it was in a gun range, and it was an accident because it was a petite, like, 22, 23-year-old girl was out with her boyfriend and some friends and they said, Oh, Hey, here, shoot this. And they gave her a Smith and Wesson 500 cylinder fully loaded. So she fired it. The recoil was so great on that gun. It spun around, reset the trigger and fired again, aiming straight at her head. And it killed her. That could have been avoided if they just said, okay, here's this gun. Here is a round to see if you can handle this. Well, uh, let's, let's, clear up, let's clear up your verbiage real quick. That gun didn't kill her. Her lack of experience did. Okay, well, I'll go with that. If you word it the liberal way, that gun just up and decided to spin around and blow her head off. Because it has a mind of its own. What had happened was the shooter was incompetent, not trained, and was handed a firearm well beyond their capabilities, and it caused their own life to be taken. That is one of the very few circumstances where someone has been killed by a firearm unintentionally. And it's a very dark side of owning a firearm is that you do run that risk if you're not trained. Exactly. Now that person that I, that second person that I taught how to shoot, that person is a very short person. By short, I mean four foot 11. I gave this person a four foot long rifle from World War II took the bayonet off just to make sure that that person was safe. (laughs) Gave them one round and said, here you go. Fire this down that direction. It was so powerful it knocked that person on their butt because they weren't prepared for it. Despite me telling them, hey, keep it tight to your shoulder. You're going to want to lean in. It's going to kick. It's going to want to move. They still were not prepared for that kind of force. And it put them on their butt. And what happened? They dropped the rifle. Yeah, and I I do know who uh, Jake's talking about. Um, And still, this person now knows how to handle those types of firearms, knows how to expect them. But even still, I remember uh, we were out shooting, and I said, hey, here's my 03A3 that fires a 30-06 round. And same thing, fired it, and... Even knowing what, you know, these guns have a lot of kick, 
still was not prepared and when it fell on their butt also. But that person kept that gun pointed downrange the whole time. That they did. Made sure they kept their finger off the trigger after they fired. Yep. Because that person was taught correctly. So, yeah, that's, you know, when you're doing that, only give them one round. The same when I take my sister out shooting with a new gun. I'd say, okay, here's a round. See if you like it or don't. And there have been some where she's fired a round. She's like, okay, yeah, that's a no. And I'm like, okay. Uh, there's been some she's fired a round. She's like, oh, hey, can I have this gun? So let's uh, let's move on to the next topic. I think we've covered gun safety importance enough. Yeah. <laughs> I think we beat it into our fans' heads. Sorry, guys. I, I know uh, some of you are very experienced. You know what you're doing. And that section was not for you. <laughs> Sorry to say <laughs> It's for those who are new to it. You know, we really want to emphasize safety. Because it doesn't matter whether you're for or against guns. Everyone needs to be safe around them. So let's move on to the next topic. The first gun you ever shot. Sean, I'll let you go first on this one. I think I've talked enough so far. So, the first gun I've ever shot, and I'm trying to remember, because it was with you. I don't remember if it was your 22 or that GP100. Damn GP100. I think it, I think it was the GP100. You said, fire this first. No. It no. was actually the 22. Because I wanted to make you laugh. So, I pulled out what looked like a standard military issue M4 at the time. <laughs> and we got you thinking you were going to be shooting this AR. <laughs> and you had the hearing protection on, the safety glasses over your glasses and everything. And you went and you aimed down range and you pulled that trigger and <laughs> Jesus, the look in your face. <laughs> Pull the trigger expecting, not knowing what to expect and I hear a, you just looked at me with straight confusion and like the you looked at me like i betrayed you just <laughs> <laughs> mostly it was because i had shot airsoft guns that had more kick sheer utter betrayal and confusion on your face <laughs> my friend wouldn't do this to me yeah i totally did and i will again anyway <laughs> <laughs> when you're expecting this giant kick that might put you to the ground is turned out it was a 22 anyway it was it was the 22 and we plinked around with it for a bit and then i got you to walk over because we we were in a very bad spot uh Compared to what we would normally do, we were off on the road side of going into the uh, BML land. So there's a canyon in front of us, but we're we're off on the main driveway, which they've actually now put spots there for people. <laughs> we just don't like it because it's too rocky. It, it, I, too many chances for a ricochet, in my opinion. Uh, I remember handing you this this 
this revolver. I said, now this is the complete opposite of what you just shot. And that's no joke. Yeah. And I told you both hands, this is not a revolver. You can shoot one handed. And sure enough, you shot it with both hands and it kicked hard. It kicked really hard. I did shoot it one handed that day. Yes. We had, we had to work you up to that. Yeah. But you did shit. Even then you were like, ha. <laughs> yeah, my hand kind of started tingling. And yeah, I that was. Ah, then here we are years later and. I'm like, hey, what's a bigger caliber? Let's buy that. <laughs> yeah, well. It's very rare to find a gun that kicks like a GP100, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have to start going with the uh, BFRs to do that. And at that point, I'm like, okay, it's... At that point, I'm like, the gun would hurt more to shoot than it would be worth it for me, so that's a no. Yeah. Yeah. So, my first firearm. So, I grew up with firearms. I think my father still has the same firearms that I first fired. My Both my parents wanted me to know how to use a firearm safely. Uh, my father was the first one to take me shooting. And... I ended up shooting, I think it was a Winchester. It was a 3030 Winchester. I'm not sure if it was a Ranger or what. I was so young at the time. And I, nobody's seen my, my father's firearms in years. He keeps huh. them locked away. He doesn't even want to try to undig them. He has his one uh, 38 special revolver for home defense, and that's what he's got. Because if things really go down, he calls my little brother, and my little brother shows up with his arsenal. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we all kind of have that guy we call. You know, if things go down here, I got a friend that I call him and say, hey, stuff's going down. We need. Can I meet up over at your house? The two of us can hold that fort down for months. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, but it was it was a Winchester 3030. And I loved that. It was a lever action. I loved that gun. And I think that same day I also shot my first 12 gauge shotgun. And that began my disdain for shotguns. Because I, I if I'm pretty if I remember correctly, I had a I had a tooth that knocked loose. Luckily, it was a baby tooth, but I, I remember it knocking a tooth loose, and I was pretty mad. I grew up, you know, around guns. I, I remember shooting my first AR. Actually, it was the first modern rifle. An AR-15 an AR was the first modern rifle I, I got to shoot. And it belonged to one of my mom's friends. He took us to the Palm Springs Gun Club and showed me how to fire that thing properly. We fired several handguns, and I remember falling in love 
was shooting a rifle. And I remember his rifle, you had to hold the magazine on. When he held it, you had to hold it by the magazine. Otherwise, the recoil would cause the magazine to fall out. <laughs> so you had to hold it by the <laughs> magazine. And he says, normally you would never hold a rifle like this. But this one you have to. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, was, he was a pretty cool dude. I think the shotgun I learned how to shoot, it didn't even have a serial number. The thing was so old. It was an old farm gun. Like it was used to defend someone's farmland for like 10 generations or something. I know it was double barreled. And there was a single barreled shotgun at one point. And I think the last gun of my dad's that I got to shoot was his 38 special. And then for many years, I lost interest in guns. Uh, I never really had an interest in it as a kid. It was just something you went out and did out in the desert, you know? You go out and do some off-roading, go, you know, take your dirt bikes and quads and dune buggies out and take the guns with you for protection. You also get to shoot some of the fun ones if you got any. Uh, I, I do know that the first gun that I got to shoot that really made an impact on me was uh, an Uzi. I, I know I, I probably never told you this one. Uh, it was an Uzi. We were, <laughs> I have an uncle. Uh, I call him an uncle. They're they're close family to me. And he's from Alaska, where you can have fun things because you're in America. And the chances of you finding a bear with that gun are more likely than another human being, where he comes from. Yeah. So having something like this Uzi was just insane. And I, I remember getting to shoot it, and it was so much slower than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, I thought it was going to be like the movies, man, you know. No, it was like, dug -a -dug -a -dug -a -dug -a -dug -a it felt more like I was shooting a chain fire gun. Yeah, what, what, what are those, what were those guns where you actually had the, uh, the to rotate the arm on them? slowly oh um puckle gun that's what i felt like an old puckle where you're sitting there going ducka 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 because the barrels would heat up too much and they had to let them cool down oh man but yeah those the uh i don't even remember what they were i I only know that he has a Winchester 3030. And I remember the first gun I ever shot was a 3030. So I'm just assuming it was that Winchester. It could have been a completely different one off the farm. We had several farm guns back in the day because farms were not held to the same standard. Uh, mostly because farms didn't need to be. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had your lever action. That's all you needed. Yeah. So, in this realm of imagination that a lot of people live in, I like to think, what if scenarios, you know? Like, what if I won the lottery? What would I do? Would I be one of those people that quits their job and goes and does copious amounts of cocaine in the Philippines? <laughs> or... <laughs> That was oddly specific. 
Well, you know, your money would go so much farther in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> you go to somewhere like that where the dollar is so strong, you know, it's just you could buy the Hilton Hotel for probably the cost of staying there a couple nights here in America. Anyway, <laughs> you know, just copious amounts of cocaine and in the Philippines <laughs> and then start a muscle car garage and, or, you know, uh, would you be the same guy that stays working and invest your money? Those are, you know, some fun thoughts, you know, some, some people like to think they'll do, uh, the fun thing, you know, some people like to imagine things. Well, me and you, we have a different, we have different, uh, dreams that we dream of. And, uh, I think I'm correct in saying, it's a complete dream that we that we would love to realize if the roster for California handguns was gone. What would yes. we buy? <laughs> I'm sure this is a dream every gun owner in California has. It's just that what if the roster vanished? Well, hold on. That's a dream for those who know there's a roster. You'd be surprised how many people don't know that. Mm. There are so many, so many uneducated people that think what is available to us here in California is all there is. Now, I think you have a higher chance of winning the lottery than that roster going away, sadly. That's probably true, in which case if you won the lottery, you could move to a free state and move the one that does not have a roster. If you're lucky, you move out of Cal. The minute you win, you move out of California and you move to Florida. So you don't get taxed. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you'll have to deal with all the Democrats on vacation down there. So they don't like to be taxed either. Yeah, that's true. So if that roster were to suddenly disappear, what would be the first gun you would buy? So I'm going to admit this is going to, for people who know, this is going to immediately show what type of person I am. I would buy a Jericho 941. Specifically, if I can't find, if I could find one, a Jericho 941R. For those of us in the audience who don't know what a Jericho R41R is, explain to us what that firearm is. So a Jericho 941 is sort of a CZ-75 clone, but it has more of a profile of a Desert Eagle. Now, the R version, which was the original, came with two barrels. It came with a 9mm barrel and then a barrel for 41 ACP. I think it was 41 ACP. And it was supposed to be a new design, a new round for the IDF. And it was going to be this big thing that was going to catch on kind of like the 5.7 by 28 was this whole, oh, hey, it's this new round that's going to catch on. Well, the 41 round did not catch on. And instead, they just started 
selling the Jericho with nine millimeter and 40 Smith and Wesson. And that was what you got. There was no 41 caliber round anymore. Now, the reason <laughs> I say this gun would be the first one I would buy. Well, I was going to come out and say it. I'm a weeb. And this handgun is a handgun used by the main character in the anime Cowboy Bebop. Which is sort of like how they call John Wick a movie for gun guys. Cowboy Bebop is one of those anime for gun guys. Yeah, I could never get into those animes. There's only one I ever really got into, and it was Initial D. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I'm a little different. What can I say? Yeah, each their own. Now, there's a lot of people out there who would love to get, you know, love to have this idea of, oh man, I wonder what I could get. And if the roster were to go away, there's two guns I would buy. One is simply. The P99, Walter P99, plain and simple. I know a lot of you are probably going, dude, it's just a nine. Like, what do you care? I fell in love with one of those a long time ago. I loved how comfortable it felt in my hand. The way it attached to my arm to fire with was just, it became a part of me instantly. I loved it. Just a fantastic firearm, so comfortable to shoot, in my opinion. But that's because of the build of my hand. I do have unique sized hands, and it, it works very well with them. Now, Sean being a fan of anime, uh, we were both influenced at a, at a younger age by a certain genre of video games. That we were. Uh, and one of those being the iconic franchise, which now lay in a smoldering, well, I wouldn't even say smoldering. It's now a complete out, just pile of ashes known as Metal Gear. Now, for all of you people who grew up playing Halo or Pac-Man, depending <laughs> on your generation, Metal Gear was a video game franchise that started back in, God, 86. Came out in 87. Well, I say 86. It's when the concept was done up and they started working on it. Released in 87. But, uh, right. I mean, the, the game, the game franchise went for a very long time, but the, uh, the one most influential to both of us was the third installment of it called Metal Gear Solid. Where the main character gets a plethora of weapons. Some more questionable than others. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm verging on reality, some not. <laughs> <laughs> now, they used two main handguns. One 
was a desert eagle. <laughs> <laughs> Which, hilarious as that is. The other is a SOCOM handgun. These SOCOMs were meant to replace a rifle as the main infiltration weapon for the Navy SEALs. I personally find the development of this firearm to be very interesting on its own, let alone the fact it was used in a mainstream game that was incredibly popular, yada yada. The game is what made me aware of it. I remember it being the first gun I ever looked up because it caught my interest. Simply because when I was a kid, I grew up using farm guns, lever actions, and shotguns. Maybe a revolver or two. I'd never seen a handgun that was, one, silenced with a suppressor, and two, had a lamb unit on it. Now, a lamb unit on the SOCOM was an incandescent bulb for a flashlight and a laser aiming module, all in one unit. And it was, to me, one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. That was my introduction to Tactical, man. Ah. And these guns weighed a metric ton. <laughs> For what they were compared to today, oh, man. Oh. H&K made what I think was the perfect infiltration sidearm. It was a work of art, in my opinion, because I had never seen a gun that was meant to go underwater and come up and still be able to fire silently with a working flashlight and laser. To me, it was the coolest thing because it was like it was a waterproof gun in my mind. You could probably shoot the thing underwater and it would maybe work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the time, I didn't know how guns worked. You know, it was just amazing to me. That would have been like showing some kid today one of the guns from Halo and he'd probably make it his life mission to make one. You know, so it it was a very formative firearm in my in my youth so much so that i've tried to recreate that the original version of the socom handgun by taking a 40 usp putting a laser aiming module on it with a light and eventually i'm going to find a threaded barrel <laughs> when i leave this state and i'm going to put a suppressor on it and i want to create the original iteration of it that they had four of the special forces, which actually turned out to be the SEALs that adopted it. And it worked very well. But sadly, it was a very large and very heavy handgun. And they, they kind of misunderstood the purpose of it. It was meant to be their main breaching weapon. They weren't supposed to have that and a rifle. Well, they still had issued rifles. So it, they kind of put it as a sidearm, and it wasn't meant to be a last resort sidearm. It was meant to be your main infiltration weapon. Uh, sadly, I guess the SEALs never got that memo. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at firearm history and gun designs, 
you know, for the most part, a lot of guns that were designed for a specific role, especially in the, for the military, half the time they're not they're not used for that role. They're used <clears throat> they're used for other things. I look at the M1 carbine, the P90, and the SOCOM. Yeah, all of which are very misunderstood. And it's unfortunate. But that would be what I would go after. I'd finally build my USP just so I could finally have it. And, uh, yeah, that would be, uh, that'd be that. Yeah, I would say uh, for for a new production handgun, if the roster vanished, I would probably also go with the uh, Mark 23. Since the Jericho is no longer, that iteration is no longer in production, so I'd have to find it used. Yeah, I think other than the P99. Because, you know, the for those of you who do not know, the roster only affects handguns in the state. And whatever reason, for whatever reason they have, they deem certain firearms, you know, safe and not safe. I think it's depending on who likes to grease pockets and who doesn't. Uh, apparently that's how um, the USPs got taken off the roster was because uh, apparently someone got upset that there were too many... Uh, uh, the USBs are on there, so they kind of paid off the DOJ and said, oh, hey, they like changed. It was like a spring in the guide rod. So now it was no longer the same handgun, so they were just blanket removed. Well, I got mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you'll hear everyone say, well, I got mine. Yeah, that doesn't mean they're not going to come for it, buddy. I hate that damn roster. Same. That roster is the one thing I would change about this because it's not right. It's just not right. Who are they to judge? They don't even know. They don't even know what a. They wouldn't know a sporting rifle from an assault rifle. They don't even have a definition for what an assault rifle is. Who deems them worthy of saying what guns are safe and which ones aren't? They're all deadly, dude. Yeah. And even then, the the guns that are on roster, they don't even half of them don't even follow the guidelines to be put on the damn roster. That's because they paid enough to have them sold here. Yeah, there we'll have an episode on the roster at a later date. Oh yeah, I'll lay into that one. <laughs> so. What can our listeners expect in the next episode, Sean? So, for the next episode, we'll be talking about the quote-unquote common sense gun laws that the Democrats say will definitely work, and this is what we need, and this is what we want to have, and this is what we're going to force down your throat because it's going to work because we say so. Versus what I would say me and Jake would say, hey, if you want common sense gun laws that are actually common sense, here is what some actual common sense gun laws would actually be. Not just, oh, hey, here's what 
you know, we say it's going to work because we say it'll work and you have to listen to us because we're in the government, we make the laws. Well, I definitely look forward to that. Stay tuned for future episodes and we look forward to seeing you again in the future. This is the California Curio Collecting Patriots. My name is Jake. My name is Sean. And we look forward to seeing you again. Take care. Please feel free to like and subscribe to the California Curio Collecting Patriots podcast on YouTube. Also, feel free to like the podcast on Facebook at the California Curio Collecting Patriots podcast, where information on new episode postings will be made. Likewise, feel free to bookmark www.CaliforniaCurioCollectingPatriots.com to get access to Podbean, where you can subscribe to receive updates as soon as they go live. This has been an Arceo Productions podcast.